Hello, and welcome to the Count Thread Podcast. My name is Lou, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very happy to welcome you to this week's episode. Today's segments will be housekeeping, whips, FOs, brainstorming, and something extra. All right, let's get right into some housekeeping. I've been trying to wait out the leaf blower down the street, but they are really persistent, so I'm hoping it doesn't pick up too badly on the mic, and apologies if it does. So our housekeeping for this week, first I wanted to talk about the schedule for the podcast. Um, Just kind of picking up a few things that I realized I didn't talk about in the first episode. So my intention is to release an episode every other Monday. Uh, That obviously did not happen this week. I tried to record a week ago and I only got about 10 minutes of audio. I just did not have a lot to say, apparently. So my hands have been very busy in the past week, and so hopefully I can get a more full episode out and keep to that schedule, but I'll let you know if that changes. Maybe it'll be an every third Monday kind of situation. (laughs) Secondly, I wanted to talk about the origins of the name of the podcast. As I mentioned in the first episode, I am very deep in Dracula at the moment and have been for, you know, a year and a half. I don't, I don't know if it's going away. Uh, so the Count Thread name, originally my ex came up with it as a name for my Etsy shop, which I'll link to. Uh, but I am so, I, I struggle so much with naming things that I figured if I already had a kind of fiber arts themed name and logo figured out that I was not going to worry about trying to come up with a new one. So count thread it is. Okay, now let's head right on into whips. Right now in my hands, I'm working on another muscle burrow, which is the pattern by Isolde Teague that gets you a nice uh, double layered beanie. I'm using some Patton's Croy, uh, Patton's Croy socks in the gray-brown marl colorway, uh, which stripes into a repeating pattern of brown, red, dark gray, light gray, and then in between each of the thick stripes you get a little thin stripe of that appears to be at random. I'm looking at the hat in my hands now. I think the mini stripes are random. On a sock, those, those mini stripes would probably be two or so rounds, maybe three. Um, at my gauge and the size hat I'm working, it's turning out to not quite finish a full round, which is a little frustrating, but if you don't look super closely at where each color section starts and stops, I think you know the effect, the effect from a distance looks like thin stripes sec- separating each of the thick stripes. So I'm pretty happy with how it's turning out. I just, I needed to have some autopilot knitting as I went to see the last voyage of the Demeter, speaking of the Dracula phase. Uh, on the 11th when it came out and so I needed to get this cast on and through the increases so that I could have it just going around and around on stockinette during all of the parts of the movie that I didn't want to watch. Um, not a big gore person, not a big horror person in general, so the knitting was the knitting was really crucial. <laughs> I also took it to a trivia night that I went to with my siblings, so it is pretty far along at this point. I am just about to finish my first ball of yarn and move into the second. And I did take a few minutes just now to separate out a bit of the beginning of that second skein so that the color repeat will continue uninterrupted across the halfway point. 
This isn't super crucial since the halfway point is where the hat will be folded anyway, but I wanted to keep the, keep the pattern going for whatever reason. So I pulled out about a golf ball worth of, of the yarn at the beginning to get to the right point in the color repeat. Depending on how long it turns out, I'll maybe tack that on at the end or I might just leave it out. I realized, so I made, I made my choice about how many stitches to increase to based on the last couple of these that I had made, which turned out a little wide for how long they were. And I wanted to adjust for that and make it a little more proportional for this hat. So I only increased, I think, to a total of 30 stitches per section. And I'm realizing that the reason that those hats, or rather, I, I have more yarn than I did for those hats because those were frogged socks and they didn't quite add up to the full two skeins like I have for this because these are essentially unbroken skeins. It's turning out a little bit long, so I may actually just leave that bit of yarn off at the end and have that as just added to the scraps, depending on how the proportions turn out. My other main whip at the moment is still the Kismet Sweater. It's a pattern by Rachel Ilsley, top-down, modified raglan shaping with color work yoke um, and going down a bit past the armholes as well. And this is coming along really nicely. Since we last spoke, I've finished the body and almost finished the first sleeve, but I will be doing the sleeves shorter than the pattern calls for. As I talked about last time, I do not really have enough of my color four to do the full length sleeves. So I basically, I've done all of the upper sleeve color work called for in the pattern. I did a round plane and then I jumped right into the ribbing. Uh, this was after a lot of sort of fiddling with my yarn, trying to figure out how to stretch it. I had considered kind of transitioning through the color work back to having the white, my color one, as the main color for the body of the sleeves. But as it turned out, after I finished the body, I wound up my uh, remaining yarn. I had 14 grams wound into this little ball and I put a just, you know, overhand, not super secure, knot into the into the ball at the halfway point. So I knew I would kind of have that signal of as I was going down the first sleeve, if I got to that bow, then I would know that I needed to change my plans. Um, and I had put the sleeve stitch, I had put a lifeline in um, about where I would have needed to make the changes in the color work charts to transition back to the white in case I ended up needing to do that. But I, as I was working, I kind of figured out a few things. So first I realized that the body was longer and wider than I really wanted it to be. So this was because I did not follow the common wisdom around stranded color work. And when I stopped doing all of the stranding and switched to plain stock in it in one color, I continued on the same needles and I really should have gone down a needle size. And so I got a kind of noticeable bulge between the main color work section and the bit of color work at the hem, which then goes into the ribbing, which I did go down a needle size for. So there's just this six or so inches that just sort of flare out and it looks really strange when I tried it on. So I realized I'm probably going to need to 
re-knit that section anyways. And then after a little blocking and some more finagling, I figured out that I don't really like the length of it either and I want to shorten it a little bit. So that means I have a little, I'm going to have a little bit of extra dark gray yarn to play with for the sleeves. And last night, as it turned out, I got to that little bow in my yarn right after I finished the upper sleeve color work on the first sleeve. So I decided I was just going to keep going, knit the ribbing in the dark gray yarn, and then I'll, before I do the second sleeve, I'll do what I, whatever I need to do to the body uh, so that I have the little bit more yarn to put into the second sleeve. My plan for the body is maybe a little <laughs> ambitious, so I'm going to put the bottom a strip of color work and the hem onto some scrap yarn, one or two rows above where the color work starts. And then I'll snip a thread, get my needle put in right after the original color work section ends, frog back to that, and then re-knit on the smaller needles. And then I'm going to graft the hem back on to the main body of the sweater. The first time I did this, it was a bottom-up sweater. And I think that that was where my issues came from because I ended up working in reverse. I did the, I did exactly what I described, but that involved changing directions of the knitting. So going from knitting bottom up to top down. So I'm hoping that unlike the first time when I got a kind of jog and it did like the stitches didn't quite line up, I'm hoping that that will work out better since everything will be going in the original direction. Um, and then it's just knitting. So the worst case scenario here is that I end up having to frog the hem and then just re-knit it. If I don't like how it's turning out with my grafting, it will be a time-consuming but solvable problem. So that's my plan. I'll let you know how that goes and I'll put, I'll put an updated picture in the show notes so you can see where I'm at right now. I'm not going to do a ton of ribbing on the cuff of the sleeve, so I'll probably be able to finish that this evening and have a nice bound off picture to put in the show notes. I also did the neckband. I don't know if I mentioned that. I did that in white, both because I like the look of it better and also I'm not wasting any <laughs> any of my dark gray yarn where it doesn't need to go for the color work to flow. So that's in white and I like how that looks. I did the tubular bind off that is called for in the pattern. I've done it a couple of times, but I have to look it up every time because I don't do it that often. And I ended up using the tutorial from Knit Picks this time, which I'll link because I had more success with it than I have had with other methods in the past. It worked really well for me and turned out pretty neatly, so I recommend following that tutorial if you've had issues with other methods in the past. And that tubular bind off, by the way, is why I'm going to go through that whole rigmarole to graft to the two pieces of my sweater back together. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't realize this at the time. Pattern does not actually call for a tubular bind off at the hem because presumably Rachel Ilsley is not a sadist, but I had looked at the neck band instructions while I was working on the hem just to, you know, see what was coming next, plan ahead a little. And so I think I just got it in my head of like, we're doing tubular bind offs on every, <laughs> every opening of this sweater. So I did. It took me the entire runtime of red, white, and royal blue, plus a little bit. I think it ended up being maybe three hours total. And it looks fantastic. I, I would really rather not have to rip that out and redo it, or what would actually happen, which is I would rip it out and then just do a regular bind off and not bother with the tubular bind off the second time around. So again, hopefully my grafting plan works 
and I can preserve my original beautiful bind off. So in terms of my other projects, I don't really have anything going right now. And you might be remembering from last time that I had a pretty big crochet project in the works. That's not done, it is in timeout. Basically right after I recorded last time, I worked on it a bit more. I put in maybe another stripe or so, um, and then I looked at it, and I looked at it some more, and I decided I hated it with every fiber of my being. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think that the cream is just a little too warm, so it was starting to look yellow in comparison with the blue and the pink. The pink was too light. It's always been too light. I should have gotten the other pink colorway of Kobasi. And I also think that I somehow really messed up my math and I'm not going to have enough yarn. So that was about three too many problems for me to want to keep working on that and try to resolve at the moment. So I've put that in timeout and I'm not looking at it until it's decided to be nicer, I guess. Uh, I don't have a great answer. I don't have a great end to that sentence because uh, I'm just very frustrated with it. But on a, well, brief frustration and then happy note, I have swatched for the sweater that I'm going to be making for my mom. And last time I had talked about how I was planning on using Rift by Jacqueline Seaslack as the base for this project, but I did my gauge swatch and my gauge is comically off from the pattern. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm not sure what happened here. I looked at this pattern, which calls for sport weight yarn, and I purchased yarn that is heavy fingering at best. The The label on the Cascade Cotton Socks says one or two, but it's very much a fingering weight the way that I was knitting it. And I like the fabric, so I don't really want to screw around with larger needles and try to make gauge for rift. So I went back and hunted for a new pattern that actually calls for fingering weight yarn, and I found the Maydrop Tee by Emma Janay, maybe Emma Janet, and this is a new pattern. I think it just released this month, or no, in July. So I think when I was originally looking for patterns for this project, it hadn't been released yet, probably, um, but it but luckily it came up in my search this time and it's the right shape, the right gauge. Like my gauge is within half a stitch, I think. Um, even my row gauge is pretty good, which almost never happens. So I'll be using that pattern instead, just sort of ignoring the color work at the bottom, which I feel a little bit bad about because it's a very nice pattern, but I really just want the shaping um, up around the neck and shoulders. So that is my new plan for my mom's sweater. I had originally intended to wait to properly start that until I finish Kismet, uh, just to get one big knit sweater off, off my plate, but my mom's birthday is only getting closer. So depending on how much progress I make in the next couple of days, I may just get it cast on so that I'm not stressing about it. We'll see, we'll see how my progress is. And I will, of course, let you know next time. Alrighty, let's move on to finished objects. I have sort of three, but I'm treating them as one project to talk about. So as I mentioned in the whip segment of the last episode, I was working on a 2x2 two two beanie, but it turned out I actually wasn't making a 2x2 two two beanie. I was making a beanie knit in 2x2 two two rib that 
had some crucial differences from the 2x2 pattern. This is, this is another instance of I don't really know what I was thinking, but when I cast on for this hat, I did a long tail German cast on, and I got to about 92 stitches and ran out of yarn in my tail. And pattern calls for 112 stitches. And for whatever reason, I said, mm, 92, that's close enough, I'll make it work. The pattern calls for a specific number of stitches to do a specific decrease structure that looks very nice. And I had uh, unknowingly sort of thrown that out the window. So I had about 10 inches of two by two rib that I wasn't really trying to rip out just because I had cast on the wrong number. So I kind of improvised my own decrease scheme. It's not perfect, but I think it is totally serviceable one of those things where I wouldn't really want to let another knitter examine it closely, but it honestly looks fine if I'm being realistic. So I did my little wonky improvisation. All my apologies to the design to the designer of the 2x2 pattern for just completely ignoring your instructions for no real reason other than laziness and not wanting to have to redo the entire cast on. So once I had finished that hat, I still had more of that green yarn left. So this is Loops and Threads Impeccable in an avocado kind of green color, which I'm sure had a colorway name and I do not know what it is. In any case, I had some more left. So I went into my scrap bucket and pulled out a couple shades of blue-green. Um, so one was Red Heart Super Saver in teal, another Red Heart Super Saver in a medium blue, and then some mystery yarn that I got out of my mom's basement a while back that was a kind of minty green. So I made a helical stripe hat, um, just very basic cast on 72 stitches, two by two rib for a couple inches, and then helical striping, the green carried throughout, and then I ended up with these three striped sections of my little scrap colors. And then I still had more of the green yarn left. And I looked at it and I said, I don't know if I have enough for a whole hat again. And I did, indeed, I cast on another hat and worked on it for a little bit and said, mmm, the green yarn's not gonna make it through this whole hat and I don't, I don't have the right color scraps to make it look intentional. So I had to pull back and I cast on fewer stitches. I think that one was 60. And then I used two, my two other colors at the same time to stretch the green along as much of the length of the hat as I could, which ended up working out just fine. Made it all the way to the crown and had a, just a very small amount left. So after a full weekend of just knitting hats forever, the green yarn is used up, which I'm very happy about. And I have three more hats for the donation pile. Okay, so for brainstorming, this is going to be much quicker than it was last week. I just have two things I wanna talk about. So I did pick a hat pattern for my last two bits of scrap yarn that I'm trying to use up. So this is some Loops and Thread Wool Lake in Teal Lake and some Patton's Croy Stretch Sock in Spearmint. So I weighed the yarn that I have and I have 44 grams of the Wool Lake and 66 grams of the Stretch Sock. So I'm not gonna hold them together like I had been thinking about. I'm just going to knit them separately into ribbed beanies. And for that, I'm going to use the head sock pattern by Amanda Steck. Very basic, two by two ribbed beanie. I'm going to actually follow the instructions on this one so that I can use the nice decreased 
uh, decrease scheme that Amanda came up with and there'll be two more hats and then all of my designated hat yarn will be used up, which I'm very excited about. And then the second thing I want to make is a sleep mask. The way that my work schedule works out right now, I often like to have a little nap when I get home in the afternoons and the blinds can only, my, my blinds can really only do so much for me. So I just want to make a little something to make that more pleasant. And I'm planning on using the sleeping mask pattern by Tanya Eberhardt, which calls for DK weight. It's a, just a free crochet pattern and a pretty, you know, basic shape. What you think, you know, what you think a sleep mask looks like. I'm going to pull for some scraps that were not put into my hat pile. I have some sheepish stone wash that I used for a wrap for my mom. That's one option, or I might use my leftover Knit Picks Lindy chain, because I have, I believe, a whole skein and then a little bit left of that. So I should have plenty of that, even though, you know, I would need to hold it double to get to um, a roughly DK weight gauge. And that'll be all for brainstorming this week. All right, let's wrap up the episode with our final segment, Something Extra. So I have a project that I thought of a few months ago, sort of stalled on starting, and am now trying to really fully commit to it. I want to watch Keanu Reeves' entire filmography. The first film I ever saw him in was Point Break, the, the one from 1991, which I watched on the recommendation of my dear friend. And we both got so deep into that movie that we, on our next call, we spent more time talking about the movie than the runtime of the movie. The person I was living with at the time was not impressed, but it really left an impact on me. So after watching The Matrix, I was like, I think I just want to get really into Keanu Reeves movies. So I have made my list. I have it written in a notebook because for stuff like this, I prefer to have it a little more tactile. And so I just, I went onto Wikipedia, copied down the filmography. I only left out, I think there were two documentaries and then one animated thing. Oh, I think he might've been in like the SpongeBob movie or something. And I refused to watch anything SpongeBob related, which is a weird hill to die on. So, so I ended up with 64 movies to watch. And oh, actually, what I've said wasn't true. I put my record down of all of the 64 movies that I was going to watch with room for growth at the end because he's still working. Good for him. And I actually had already seen Dangerous Liaisons from 1988 because I had to watch that for a class in college. I didn't really enjoy it, but I don't have to watch it again because I've already watched it. So I marked that one off as well as Point Break and the first two Matrix movies. And four out of 64 is a discouraging number. But since then, I have watched The Matrix 3 and Speed. Now, Speed 1994, if you haven't watched it or if you haven't watched it recently, that's a film that holds up. After watching it for the first time, I then convinced my siblings to watch it with me maybe two or three weeks later, and I enjoyed it just as much the second time. It's a fantastic movie, and it really has very little in it that sucks to watch in 2023. For example, the original Fast and the Furious movie, my brother tried to show that to me um, and there was a slur like 20 minutes in and I said, uh, no, I simply won't. <laughs> this, is, this isn't for me. I'm so sorry. I know, I know that you love this movie, but I have no nostalgia for it and so I just find it uh, upsetting. Speed really for the most part manages to dodge so many, so many mid-90s bullets 
and it's just such a good movie it's so fun it's so exciting i had no idea how great it was i'll probably watch it again soon i shouldn't i should watch a different keanu reeves movie but it's just that good and then just a week or two ago i watched john wick because i'm not really going in any particular order as you may be able to tell i'm just kind of going to what seems interesting and i know a lot of people really like the john wick movies there's the one that just came out this year and i knew i know i knew what the umbrella pitch was going in which is that keanu reeves murders a bunch of people after they kill his dog so i knew i knew this going in that there was going to be a dead dog at the beginning of the movie um, they really made it as upsetting as they possibly could have, which was, I mean, to, ex to an extent that wasn't really necessary in my opinion, but I made it through and then it was, you know, just a perfectly fun action movie, you know, whatever. And imagine my shock and horror when at the end he adopts another dog, by which I mean he breaks into an animal shelter to stitch himself up using veterinary supplies and then he just takes one of the dogs home. This dog is one of the most beautiful pit bulls I've ever seen and... As someone who has a very important pit bull in my own life, I immediately felt very attached to this new dog. But I'm concerned because my sort of cultural osmosis for this series has, I have a notion that at least one of the other movies has the exact same plot, which is that somebody kills his dog and then he goes on a murder spree about it. And so now I'm sitting here thinking, do I really want to keep going? knowing that I'm going to have to watch this beautiful pit bull die, probably. I might be wrong, but I've a little bit psyched myself out of it. So maybe that'll that'll be a goal for this weekend, is to try to watch John Wick 2 uh, so I can cross another movie off my list and hopefully get over the dead dog hump of this series. Because it can't be all four of them, right? I Don't, don't tell me if it is, because I'm going to watch them, because I have to, because of this um, completely arbitrary assignment I've given myself. So... I think that's all of them. Yeah, okay, I just double-checked. That's all of them. Um, so I'm up to six now, which is also not that much out of 64. But that's fine. We'll get there. <laughs> and with that, I've managed to record a, I think, very respectable length of an episode. So I will leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And I will look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. Have a good one.